Hey, this is Chris Comrie with the Glance Recruiting with Data podcast. It's a brand new podcast, so we're still working out the kinks, but our guests are delivering incredible value, and I hope you find this valuable. Um, Our guest for this episode is Anessa Fike, and she runs her own company called AF Recruiting, um, and the AF stands for her initials. She went to school for journalism and became an executive assistant at The Motley Fool and worked her way up to global recruiting director. She helped them grow from 75 to over 300 employees across the world in London, Singapore, and Sydney, Australia. She then moved from D.C. to Raleigh, where she started her own business, and Motley Fool wanted to actually be her first client, which is super cool. They now grow almost exclusively from referrals, and it just is a testament of the great work that she does. She's conducted over 10,000 phone screens, interviewed hundreds of people in person, and has experience doing HR consulting and recruiting to talent acquisition, active recruiting, and contract recruiting with her clients that vary across the U.S. In this, she talks about what her day-to-day is like. We then go into discussing what data is important and how to track it. We talked about helping executives understand what their recruiting data means and why things that are hard to measure, like candidate experience, are still incredibly important to evaluate. And then we wrap up with some advice to incoming recruiters or recruiters still young in their careers. She was an awesome guest, and and if you want to reach out to her, her email is afrecruitingllc at gmail.com, and her website is afrecruitingllc.com. She loves to help and is more than happy to give any feedback. Uh, I think you're really going to enjoy this one, and thanks again to Anessa Fike. Awesome. Well, um... Let's jump in. Thanks so much for volunteering some time to kind of share with us what you do, who you are, why you like recruiting. Um, pretty excited to get get the podcast up and running and super excited that you volunteered to be one of the first few people on the podcast. So thank you so much for your time. No worries. Um, I'm honored to be on it. Thank you. Cool. Um, so I, uh, I think you got the questions so we can just go ahead and, and jump in, um, and we'll we'll start off kind of first. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and, and what you do? Perfect. So, yeah, I um, sort of fell into recruiting several years ago as I was working at the Motley Fool, and I didn't, you know, ever think that I was going to end up in HR, I think, as most people do, or that I was going to end up in recruiting. And loving it, right? So I was something that um, at the time the chief people officer of the Motley Fool came to me. I was working as an executive assistant at the Motley Fool, reporting to the president at the time, the chief people officer, and then also the chief technology officer and supporting their teams. And he said, I think you might be good at recruiting, and I think you might be good at some of the HR stuff that we're working on. And I said, okay, well, you know, let me, let me try a few projects here or there. And so I did that and then moved over to his team when it was a smaller team under five people or so at the time and really started to do more and more recruiting, did a lot of various HR, um, you know, day-to-day responsibilities and just really taking on some projects that had been on the back burner for a while, but with a small team, as I'm sure you guys know, in a sort of startup environment, sometimes those those projects don't always get to be at the forefront and you have to sort of put out fires during the day. So there were a lot of projects that were on the back burner that I took on and completed fairly quickly. And then I dove into recruiting 
And what I found out is that recruiting for me was a lot like journalism, and I'm a journalist from a past life, I like to say, and uh, that's what I went to school for was journalism. You're asking people questions, you're gauging their answers, you're gauging the authenticity of their answers, and really trying to figure out, number one, if they're telling you the truth, right, and if you're a journalist, and number two, if, as a recruiter, if they're a good fit for your organization. And so I found a lot of similarities there, and what I really loved about journalism and what I really loved about recruiting is that I was getting to know people, right? I'm trying to figure out what their story is, what they're about, and help them take the next step. So as a journalist, you're helping people, you know, tell their story to the world. And as a recruiter, you're helping to find someone their next role. And let's be honest, right, we're all working a lot these days, and we see coworkers and people that we work with, sometimes a lot more than we see our family and friends. So um, that's an important thing, I think, for recruiters and some of that pride that comes with that is really helping people focus on finding their next career home or their next work home. And so um, from there, after working at the Motley Fool, I worked my way up to recruiter and then um, I, you know, helped the company expand from about 75 employees when I started to over 300 when I left and worked my way up to global recruiting director at the Motley Fool where we filled roles all over the world in different offices from London to um, Sydney, Australia, to Singapore, Canada, all over the place as we were popping up international offices. And then from there, decided that I was going to make a move from the D.C. area back to North Carolina, which is where I am now. And um, the great people at The Motley Fool came to me and said, you know, we really love working with you. We know you're moving. It'd be kind of cool if you started your own LLC, and we would love to be your first client. And that was amazing to me. You know, it's not something that I ever thought about opening my own business. I never thought about doing that and being the consultant side of things with HR and with recruiting. But it was, it seemed, you know, it just fell into place, and it was the right timing for everything. And I said, you know, this is this is probably a, a great opportunity, right, to, to dive into starting my own business. And so four years later, um, I have had a myriad of startup clients uh, across the U.S. and have done different things for various clients from HR consulting to recruiting, talent acquisition, to actively recruiting, contract recruiting. So I kind of hit on a lot of different dynamics, and I've been very fortunate throughout that experience to really spend very little on advertising. I think I have one pack of cards that I've had for four years, and I've never used them all um, and pretty much have just, you know, been referral to referral. Um, I've been very fortunate to work with great people who will refer me to other people. Um, and so, you know, it's it's been an amazing ride so far. And um, as you know, I, my goodness, with recruiting, I don't know if it's probably been over 10,000 phone screens that I've done. I've probably interviewed in person hundreds of people. And, and you know, you kind of lose track in how many people you fit in roles over the years. But um, But I would say it's, been, let's see, a good, um, gosh, a good almost eight, you know, eight or so years, eight or nine years in the HR recruiting industry. Yeah, so that's a little about me. Well, that, that's quite a resume, Anessa, and that's awesome that um, they had the faith in you to open up your own shop and then be your number one customer. That's pretty cool, and I would guess there's a whole lot of people out there that would could only dream of doing that. So that's awesome that you've been able to do it and, and do it successfully. Um, so 
So that's kind of what you've done in the past, but what's your day-to-day like now? Yeah, so great question. I um, have several different clients at the moment. I um, Typically, even one full-time client isn't enough to kind of keep me, <laughs> you know, from, from getting bored or doing side projects. So typically, I have a lot of things going at once. I like to have a mix of human resource consulting and recruiting because I think it keeps me fresh. I like to keep up on all the trends. So I have a lot going right now. I am um, a guest blogger with People Love, which is a startup organization in Durham, North Carolina, focusing on people analytics. And then also, you know, several clients on the HR consulting side, several clients on the recruiting side. So it really does depend on what the day is. But I would still say the bulk of it is HR and recruiting with some writing thrown in, of course, with that journalism background shining through just a little bit still. Um, But I would say right now I get to talk to a lot of great people, right? I get to connect people with great companies. I get to connect great companies with great talent. And um, really, for me, recruiting is all about fitting in the puzzle pieces. It's trying to figure out who will work where, and if they don't fit in there, maybe they'll fit in someplace else or someplace similar. So I think on a day-to-day now, there is no day that is the same. You know, as I think many people in in this industry will say, but uh, I I spend a lot of time talking with people. I am an extreme extrovert on the Myers-Briggs scale, and that's something that's very important to me. I love to connect with people. I love chatting with people. I get my energy from people. So um, a lot of the day that I'm, that's full for me is uh, really just connecting with people. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty good. A lot of people have put a lot of emphasis on on some of the Myers-Briggs tests and things like that. Um, and, and with so many interviews that you've done and so many different things that you've done in your career so far, what data do you think is important to track when you're recruiting? Yeah, so it's it's funny. I mean, you'll hear those top three every now and then. You'll hear the time to fill, cost for hire, et cetera. And um, for me, I mean, those things are always great. You know, those are sort of table stakes. You need to always have those things. You need to know what your average time to fill is for different roles. You need to know what the cost for hire is. You need to know those things. But I think that as recruiters, we need to take it up a notch, several notches actually, and think about candidates as humans. Think about them as they're putting their next life decision in your hands a little bit. And so for me, a couple of important data points that I also like to look at above those table stakes data points are candidate experience, right? I love companies that are open to asking how the candidate's experience is throughout the process, right? A lot of companies at the end will send them sort of a survey monkey and say, how was this process at the end? And But that gets a little bit skewed because a lot of times there's one job open, and if they don't get that job, of course, it's going to probably be a little bit lower of a score. So I like to ask candidates throughout the process, working with companies that are able to do this well, giving them a numerical system, right? It's one through five, one through three, whatever that may be, to say, how was your experience this week? How has your experience been with these different elements of the stages? How was your experience with coming on site? Did you feel that we provided, you know, everything that you needed to know to be successful in that on-site interview? Do you feel like you have enough background about the company to make a great choice about the company? So these are all things that I like to ask during the process. I think a lot of times when people think about candidate experience, they think about getting people in, making sure that they feel communicated with, which is great. But I also think that we should go that next step and ask, 
not only that, you know, making sure we're communicating with candidates uh, very often and making sure they're feeling informed, but how how their experience has been. You will actually learn a lot about a company's candidate experience by asking those questions. And so I think the candidate experience and asking that throughout the process is really critical for one uh, additional data point. And then from there, the quality of source is really a big one for me as well. So if you're spending a ton of money on LinkedIn, but they're not really getting you the type of candidates or the quality of candidates that you're looking for, to me, that's not a good use of money. It's not a good return on investment. So I like to look at the quality of source. So every couple of weeks, every month, if I have access to that with a company, I will look at that and say, mm, Glassdoor is really killing it on, on getting us candidates, or in her site is really killing it on getting us this diverse group of candidates this week. Or maybe it's, you know, someone else. Maybe it's the muse. So really trying to figure out where is your niche? Where are those quality candidates that you're pulling in and the success rating that you're feeling for the candidates for your specific company? Every company is different. Every geographical region is different. And so with that, I think that you need to figure out where the best quality candidates are coming from, from a source perspective too. And then um, I would say the third thing that I'll touch on outside of those table six data points and the two I've already covered are number of candidates in the pipeline. If there aren't an increasing number of candidates in your pipeline every week, so if you're not seeing, I would say, you know, depending on the role, uh, depending on the area, depending on the compensation that you might have out there, a market salary for that role, you should see a good amount of resumes coming through every so often. If you don't, if you see under five in three weeks, if you see under 10 in a month, something is off. It's either the compensation salary isn't, isn't right on LinkedIn or your, your base salary isn't right, reevaluate compensation, or maybe it is that you aren't looking for the right thing, right? So reevaluate your job description. Go back to the hiring manager and say, what's essential? What do you absolutely have to have? Great. That's the only thing we're going to put in the job description. And really kind of looking at the different dynamics of that role to figure out how you can tweak things to get more candidates in the pipeline. Sometimes if someone's looking for inbound candidates and they're not as open to sourcing or passive candidates, then you need to maybe tweak what you're looking for in that role. So I would say all of those things together, the table stakes, data points, and then those other three, really to me give you a better overview of recruiting and where you're looking at recruiting and the different levers you can pull in recruiting. Yeah, now you said something that I thought was really interesting, that you put a really big focus on the candidate experience. Um, and a lot of that, like you said, is really subjective. So how, how do you take something that's so subjective like that and explain to either the CEOs or the head of talent acquisition how important that is and, and the impact that, that has on their recruiting? Yeah, so I mean, you know, a lot of this is dealing with people, right? Um, we deal with, as HR recruiters, we deal with people every day. People aren't binary. They're not just ones and zeros, right? They're never going to be completely objective. And so for me, I give them sort of a numerical scale for the candidate experience, and that's a way of making it a little bit more objective. But I also think that there's a lot to look at and a lot to talk about and bring into the conversation with those subjective things. 
such as how are they feeling? Are they feeling like they're not being communicated with enough? And I think some of those snippets of maybe, you know, giving the person not only the numerical value to pick during about their candidate experience, but also to provide a comment or two, you will actually get more out of those comments than you will the numbers because you'll find the anecdotes that you are able to change your candidate process, your interview process, based on those anecdotes. And so a lot of times when I'm speaking to executive teams or helping to build new teams within a startup in, in this route, what I talk to them about is, your culture is based on people. Your culture is ever-changing because the people in your culture are ever-changing. No human is going to remain the same at all points in their life and at all points in the year, and no candidate is going to remain the same. And so we need to embrace that human aspect of recruiting and also say, yes, there is a way that we can measure this a little bit, but in measuring that too, I want those anecdotes to come back and say, you know, so-and-so really loved the candidate experience. They gave us a five out of five. They said it was the best candidate experience they've ever had. And guess what? They've told 10 other friends. Those 10 other friends have then applied with us, and we filled five roles because of that. And I've seen that happen. And so out of one great candidate experience, you might have filled five roles. And filling five roles, as you know, with the cost per hire as it is right now, you know, over $5,000, uh, that's, that's a lot of money that you then saved if you can fill those roles within a week. Um, that's amazing. So I think that when it gets down to it, there are subjective pieces to it. Of course, there always will be with humans. But taking that subjective with the objective and showing those executive teams that you're saving them money by actually having a more human experience and combining that with some data, they're going to get on board with that almost immediately, most places, right? So they're going to see that return on investment with just how you're treating people, much like a customer would be treated in, you know, a B2C type of organization. If you have great customers, they're going to come back. If you treat your customers well, they're going to come back, and they're going to bring their friends, and they're going to tell everybody they know what a great experience they've had. And that increases your net promoter score. It's almost like talking to, can to executives about a candidate net promoter score making sure that they're going to promote you and your brand and your company to everyone they know in a good way. That's what you want. Yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting and really um, really a different perspective on being able to take such a subjective process and, and making it more objective because I think a lot of executives are, are thinking in objective, um, thinking and in, in trying to create that culture. So that's awesome that you were able to touch on that. Um, so what do, what do you think the best recruiting organizations are doing differently than everyone else? So I think this goes back to that piece we were just speaking about a little bit. So treating people like humans, right? They're not just names on a piece of paper. They are, you know, offering up their experience and they have a lot of hope on their end, right? As you're, you know, if you've ever had to look for a job in your life, you know there's a lot of hope that goes into when you're applying to these roles, right? You find something that seems to appeal to what you've done, and you just kind of reach out your hand out there and hope somebody grabs it back, right? So it's a lot of hope that these people put into applying with you. Now, some, you know, some candidates do just mass apply to a lot of places. There are those. But some, most of the time, I would say people are really 
invested in working with your company, or they should be if, if they're really bought into it, right, if they really want that role. And so treating people like humans and being honest and transparent with them is really what the best companies do. For me, that means don't drag your conversation on for 30 minutes if you know they aren't a fit. Be respectful of their time. Be transparent with them. Just let them know, look, you know, this, this is what we're looking for in the role, and unfortunately I don't think that, that you might be a fit for that, and here's why. Perhaps you'll find that they are. Perhaps you'll find that they actually do have the skill set that you were looking for that they might not have originally come forth with, right? Um, there are great interviewers and there are great employees, and those aren't always the same thing. So if you say to them, look, unfortunately I don't think you're a fit because of this, this, and this, most of the time they're understanding. They'll say, thank you very much. You know, thank you for not wasting my time, as opposed to drawing it out for 30 minutes and then them getting an email two days later that says you weren't a fit, and they have no idea why, right? So I think being open and transparent with people about why they are a fit or why they are not a fit within reason, right, within compliance reason and um, making sure that you're saying the right things to them. But I would say that treating people like humans is how the best recruiting organizations do it differently. Just cut them, you know, cut them loose early. It, just say, look, honestly, it's very, I'm going to be very transparent with you. Here's what we're looking for, and it doesn't seem like we're aligned on that. And then I think, too, that the best recruiting organizations embrace a lot of different things. So what I mean by that is they get creative. They're not stuck in that realm of only getting inbound resumes. They're not stuck in that realm of, well, if we don't get inbound resumes, we have to source. They're not stuck in that. They, I think that recruiting is moving into a new realm where we're starting to get more strategic with how we're recruiting people. And it's not just, well, if we don't have the candidates, let's just go source more. You know, some, um, some people will keep doing the same thing and expect different results, and that's the definition of insanity, right? And so we want to make sure that as recruiters, as we're moving forward in, you know, the next five or ten years, we sometimes have to get creative with how we're recruiting people. And what might work for one role in one company might not work for a different role in the same company. And it might not even work, you know, for different companies. I hope it doesn't. It shouldn't, actually. So I think that, you know, getting creative is what the best recruiting organizations do as well. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more with that. Um, it, it seems like you're right in that the, there seems to be a transformation, kind of a shift in the entire recruiting and talent acquisition space where they're getting more strategic. What do you think is, is pushing and fueling that the shift and really the ability to innovate? I think it's a necessity, right? I mean, if you don't innovate nowadays, you're lost. You get left behind. And so I think that we have to innovate. Everybody has to innovate constantly. Um, I have a three-year-old as well. As a parent, you constantly have to innovate, right? <laughs> That's kind of you're always thinking of how do I – you never know what's going to happen. You can't plan for your child to act a certain way. And so I think that if we don't innovate, we're not living. Everyone should innovate all the time. We should always be learning. We should always be creatively thinking. We should always be thinking about the next thing, the next step you know, with also focusing on the now. It's a, it's a balance that's really hard to do. But it is, we, I think we have to be innovating. Um, business isn't stopping. Business is not going to stop revolving. And if you have a revolving business, 
every department within that business should be should be moving forward, should be evolving forward. Um, and so I think that it's a necessity. But I also think that, you know, if if you are evolving correctly, candidates are going to see that too. They're going to see that you're very innovative. They're going to see that you're ahead of the trends, that you're ahead of everyone else. And for me, if I were a candidate looking, I would not want to join a company who did the same thing like they've always done it for the past 50 years. That's boring, right? Who wants to go be at that company every day? And so I think that if you can show as a company that you're very innovative and you can show as a recruiter that you're very innovative, you're going to get the best talent out there. And in talent war times, like, you know, nowadays there is a talent war in certain job descriptions and job recs, that's going to get you, uh, you know, the best candidate. Yeah, yeah, those are definitely some interesting perspectives and definitely um, a little bit of a warning sign for those who aren't innovating. Um, yes, the absolutely. Last question I've got for you. <laughs> yeah, the, the last question I've got for you is um, there's a lot of smart, young, hungry recruiters out there, um, and they're probably super excited to learn kind of some of the tricks and advice or anything that, that you've learned over the years. So if what what can you share with them, and what advice would you give? Yeah, so, goodness, things I learned over the years. <laughs> um, there are a lot, I would say. Um, I was very fortunate to learn the right way to recruit people from the people at The Motley Fool. Um, Tom Gardner, the CEO, is amazing. He really believes in the people that he has in his organization, and David as well, the two brothers that started The Motley Fool, and Lee Burbage, the chief people officer there, taught me how to recruit. I mean, I, you know, really look back and think about I wouldn't even know how to do this if it wasn't for him and, and Kara Chambers, who I worked with there at the Motley Fool as well. But they taught me the right way to do it, right? And the right way to do it isn't just ask these six questions on this checklist and write down the answers, right? That's not the right way to recruit. Some recruiters do that. They check off all the boxes. And then they make a call based on what the boxes say, what the answers to those boxes were. And it's it's more than that. For me, I think that recruiting is a little bit of intuition, a little bit of science, and a little bit of art. So I think split evenly three ways, it's all of those things. And the reason I say that is it's a lot of intuition because you have to know the people that, that these people are going to be working with to truly make a good impact. Someone who's a fit for an organization in one department might not be a fit for the organization in another. Or you might have a department that needs this type of personality to fit well in there or to do well or to succeed or to mesh with the other personalities in the department. Or you might, you know, have someone who might fit really well in, in, in a different department. I think that intuition piece, piece comes into play there. Science is the data, right? We're all about data nowadays and really use that data to tell a story. I think that numbers are boring on a page. Use it to tell a story. Somehow pull a story out of those numbers and it's going to be more relatable to the people around you. It's going to be more relatable to the executive team. And I think that using that helps. And that's sort of that art that I mentioned before is being able to pull both of those together, use that subjective and those objective things to make the most informed call that you can on a candidate, right? A um, couple of things that I've learned over the years, too, is that 
always, always, always treat your candidates with respect and honesty. Again, it goes back to that candidate experience piece. You will never, ever know how an impression you made on someone for 15 minutes on the phone might come back later on in a good way, right, or bad, if you treat them badly, I guess. But if you're, if you're in a, a great conversation with someone, make sure that it's respectful. Make sure that it is humanizing. Make sure that you are giving them a great candidate experience. I have literally had a handful of candidates come to me over the years that they spoke to me on the phone one time for 10 to 15 minutes, and they've come back to me six, seven years later and said, do you remember that phone call we had? You made such an impression on me. What do you have open now? And it wasn't the company that I was with. It was me as a recruiter and them saying, I had a great experience with you. And so what I would like to do is come back and ask you who you're working with, right? So that's a pretty cool thing. Um, and I would say the last thing, the last tip or trick or thing that I've learned over the years, you will always have difficult hiring managers, always. What I've learned is that they don't mean to be difficult, right? There's one of two reasons why they're difficult. Either they don't understand the dynamics of recruiting. So take the time, bring them into it, educate them, and then allow them to tweak things in real time so they feel like they have a buy-in to the process. A lot of times recruiters will put a process on hiring managers and say, this is a process, you have to do this, deal with it, right? Instead, maybe let's have a conversation about it. Let's say, hey, what do you feel like would be a great process for your role that you are filling? This is your team, they will report up to you. What is the best way for a candidate to display what you need them to display to know whether they're going to be a good fit for your team or not? So having that conversation and allowing them to be agile in it and tweaking it in real time is going to be more successful. The other reason that I think you have difficult hiring managers, some of them might be a bit insecure about their own recruiting abilities. So ask them, would it be beneficial to you if we you know, had a conversation about some tricks or some tips or questions that you can ask during an interview? Go through it with them a few times. I think that I can't really say how important training is for interviewers before you put them into interviews. I think that they will feel more confident. They'll actually get you better people. And at the end of the day, giving them that little bit of training up front will allow you to save time and will allow them to save time because they won't be asking you to send more and more and more and more candidates through. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know how many that was, but <laughs> those are some things I've learned um, over the past uh, couple of years. That's awesome. That we we talked about some really good stuff, Vanessa. So thank you so much for being such an incredible guest. Um, if if people want to connect with you or or find you, how can they get a hold of you or or reach out? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So you can either um, email me. It's af. Just my first, uh, you know, my first and last initial, um, AFRecruitingLLC at gmail.com. I'm probably going to change that email soon, but <laughs> that's the email for now. And then my website is AFRecruitingLLC.com um, as well. So you're welcome to reach out to me. And um, I always love to help people in the industry. So if you have a question, if you have a thought, if you want to, you know, brainstorm with me, I, I love doing that. So very open. Yeah, and I, I highly recommend doing that. So thank you very much, Anessa. I really appreciate it. Thanks again to Anessa. Um, she brought tons of energy in that in that talk and delivered lots and lots of knowledge. So 
So thank you again, Anessa. Um, again, if you want to reach out to her, her email is afrecruitingllc at gmail.com, and her website is afrecruitingllc.com. Um, again, this is a new podcast, so any feedback that you've got, I'd really, really, really appreciate it. Um, if you liked it, give it a like or a share um, or a comment. And if you didn't like it, shoot me an email at chris at glance, G-L-A-N-C-E dot A-I with any recommendations or, or things you'd like to hear or improvements or criticisms or, or even compliments. Um, thanks again. I really hope you enjoyed the podcast.